you're going to fail, you're going to lose. And yeah, I don't know if you've heard the term failure is fertilizer. It really is because, you know, it only helps you grow. It only helps you figure out where do I need to improve, you know, and just how do you learn from it? How do you grow from it? Welcome to the Gary Scott Thomas Show. Here's what we know. The podcast with unexpected conversations. Listen each week as we engage in unscripted conversations where we'll be just as surprised as you will be with where the dialogue goes. So join us each week and be privy to the captivating conversations that are sure to ensue. Here's your host, Gary Scott Thomas. Welcome to Here's What We Know. I'm Gary Scott Thomas, and if you like the show, please feel free to share it. We we always appreciate that. That's always helpful. I'm very excited about today's guest. I've gotten to know her over the last couple of months. She was she was a local girl that honestly we didn't know here here because the show is based out of San Jose, California. I didn't know she was a local girl, and then we saw her on American Idol and said, "Hey, she's one of ours." It's Grace Lear. <laughs> How are you? How are you doing, Gary? I'm I'm doing well. I'm doing so well now. You're, you're, we'll talk about, we'll talk about, uh, you're in Nashville now, but you grew up in San Carlos, right? I grew up in Danville. Danville. See, I always get, I always get those damn, there's so many small towns around here. There are. There's San Ramon, there's San Carlos, there's Danville. Danville No. Yeah. And so my, no. And my mom, uh, so yeah, I grew up in Danville. My mom now moved to a house in San Ramon. San Ramon. Um, And then I have, yep. And then I have my sister, I have a sister and a brother and their uh, spouses live in Walnut Creek. So (sighs) just that, that area, that's, the, that's where I grew up. Danville, for those of you who don't know, is a beautiful bucolic town that people <laughs> get away from when they're tired of living in San Jose and San Francisco. What was I that? Guess you like? could say that. What was that like? Growing up in Danville? Yeah. Oh, it was great. Um, it really was great. I had an, a really wonderful childhood. Um, you know, we Danville it's a very safe, very beautiful town. Um, I went to Greenbrook Elementary and I would ride my bike to school every day. And then I went to Charlottewood Middle School and Santa Ramon Valley High School. Uh, so go Wolves. Um, and then I played sports my whole life. So it was a, we were a pretty big sports family, always playing soccer, got really competitive um, around age like 11 and 12. Um, but yeah, I mean, growing up in Danville was great. It's really cute. The downtown's really cute. There's a lot of stuff to do. Not too far from like, Lake Tahoe. So we would go up there and go skiing during the winter and stuff like that. So yeah, I love Danville. I have to tell you, that's going to be the worst Netflix behind the music documentary special on you ever. Right. What? Because your life was so wonderful. You know, you're supposed to be going, I was, I was chased by wolves and I was once stabbed by, 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 by a Buddhist monk. It was, um, you know, and it's funny, you know, with American Idol, with those those TV shows, they try to dig into your past and see what you, what like real struggle you went through. And um, it's, it's really funny because I really did have a great childhood. I mean, it wasn't perfect. My parents divorced when I was five. My dad was always all over in sales and we, I lived full time with my mom and my three other siblings and I'm the baby. And, you know, very like middle-class family wasn't perfect fought with my siblings all the time but yeah there wasn't anything you know luckily i didn't go through anything crazy you know growing up but um very yeah very grateful for us well the truth of it is that's (laughs) the truth of it is that's most people's lives right i mean yeah yeah, everybody has something about their life that makes it unique or special they they do that's Mm -hmm. why i love talking to people because because they may have the most fantastic story but they don't realize Mm -hmm. it because it's their story but the truth of it is (laughs) the majority of our lives are Getting up, taking the trash out, you know, taking the kids to soccer, or, or, you yeah. know, just doing that, and and so yeah. I love that the the idea that you know that's the stuff you don't see, and they try to do it not only in music, they do it. You can't watch an Olympics or a sporting event without hearing about some, and then and then Tio's mother got toe cancer, yeah. and it was a yeah. it was a hard two weeks before they got the fungal out of her toenail, you know. But they try to yeah. try, they try to suck every bit of drama they can out. They do. They do. They try to find your story. And it was really funny with with shows like American Idol. And they really grabbed onto the American Junior aspect, um, which, 
you know, when I, when I do look back, it was, it was a big time in my life. Um, it changed, changed a lot of things for me. Um, but my life was so like balancing it was, and it, you know, everyone's lives are, I guess, but I learned at a really young age to balance, you know, I was playing competitive soccer. I was singing, I was doing music. Um, and then I was just being a kid. I was, and then I was in school, you know, it just was a constant balance of everything. And I remember my dad got me a calendar when I was little. Um, and I would have it and, you know, it would be like national, like singing the national anthem for the giants and like radio Disney event and, you know, soccer championship tournament. And then like friend's birthday party. And it was like a constant calendar full of like all these things that were important in my life. And, um, I did learn at a young age to, to balance everything and to prioritize. So very, very lucky for a super busy kind of crazy life as a kid. Um, but it's really helped me a lot. How old were you when adults started noticing how well you sang? Oh, that's a good question. Um, Well, let's see. So I think I really was singing ever since I was really little. Um, But when I was six, I did my first talent show at Greenbrook Elementary and I sang Selena. And I, I look back and it wasn't very good. Um, but I think my parents always tell me that it was when I sang Somewhere Over the Rainbow in third grade. Um, so I was, yeah, like 10, um, nine or 10. And that's when they just, you know, I didn't, I wasn't completely into my voice yet. I hadn't like grown into it, mm-hmm. but they noticed just something. They were like, there's something about, my tone and, and I made people cry and I was just singing song, you know, I just wasn't trying to like I do now, you know, you really want to tap into like an emotion for a song. I was just singing cause I loved it. And I loved being on stage and I loved, you know, singing into a microphone and having an audience in front of me. And I remember the parents coming up to my parents after saying, you know, Oh my God, Gracie made us cry. I can't, she like, that was so beautiful. So then they got me into voice lessons. So I was about 10 years old when I started doing voice lessons. So your parents, your parents, as you said, kind of knew at six, six years of age. Yeah, they knew I liked to sing. But when you ask, like, when they started to notice that I actually had a good voice, I think I was 10. Hmm. And, and that's interesting to me, because as you sit back and say, the tone, I think, is what is what grabs people's attention. But you know what grabs my mm-hmm. attention? Because there's tone and I really do appreciate tone. Mm-hmm. But the range is what separates the wheat from the mm-hmm. chaff without being mm-hmm. mean, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I Be- can see that. Because we all like to was- sing, but we rarely yeah. can any yeah. of us hit the notes. Yeah, that's true. And that, that's what's funny is I look back and they played it during American Idol. They played my third grade um, talent show of me singing over the rainbow. And I literally changed keys like three different times. And so that was the thing. It was like, I knew how to sing, but I, the vocal lessons at such a young age, I'm so grateful for because it really, you know, kind of just let me grab the reins on, you know, exactly what you're talking about, how to hit certain notes, how to stay in key, um, you know, how to get up to those high notes, how to change your vowels. So you hit those low notes. And there's just so much training that, that, that is involved in, in your voice. And I still do it. I'm 28 and I still am doing my same vocal, you know, exercises and, and all of that stuff. And there's certain, you know, ways that I have to take care of my voice now, especially as I'm getting older, um, you know, in terms of like my diet and stuff like that, that really affects it. It's crazy. It's just such a muscle. Um, but yeah, learning it at a young age was definitely really helpful. You think, you think vocal lessons for everybody would be good, even if you're not a professional singer? I mean, if you love it, of course, like, why not? Who doesn't love singing? Even if nobody, you know, most <laughs> of us don't like our singing, but who doesn't love yeah. singing? You know, it's, I mean, yeah, it's the best. Yeah. But I think, I think it's important, you know, with anything that if you want to get better at it, of course, you know, take voice lessons the same way people take classes for stuff and, you know, go to school for things and, you know, playing soccer and you're on a team and you're going to practice. It's the same thing. It's just practicing on your craft and getting better at it um, and learning. The competitive side of sports. Uh, did you ever think you'd be using that in the music industry? The competitive side. Um, because it is a competition. It, it is, but it, it definitely doesn't feel like soccer. Um, it definitely doesn't feel the same way as I felt on a field 
trying to, you know, beat another opponent. Um, it definitely doesn't feel the same way, but I feel like the competition is more with myself. I'm really competitive with me and I'm very like, I just, I have really high standards for myself. Um, and I was like that as a player too, you know, I was the type of player because I was a forward my whole life mm-hmm. and scoring goals. That's what, that's what I was supposed to do. And even, um, even if I, even if my team won, which I'm definitely a team player, I I'm very big believer in teams. That's so important. But I also think that a team consists of people playing their roles. So my role was a goal scorer. And even if we won and I didn't score, you'll ask my parents, I was like, didn't talk on the way home. I was so mad at myself because I was excited for my team, but mad at myself because I didn't do my job. And so I feel like I'm that same type of player, quote unquote player in the music industry is I, you know, I have goals for myself and I have high standards for myself. And when I don't meet those or when I don't do well enough, um, I'm really hard on myself, like really hard on myself. So, um, I feel like a lot of that comes into play. If you were a parent, what would you say to that kid? You're driving that kid home from a game <laughs> that parents, they would. Oh, they would. My, they both would be like, shake it off. You know, stop. Your team won. You should be excited for your team. Um, you know, be happy for your team. You can beat yourself up for a second. That's what my mom used to say. She would say, you know, put a smile on your face when the game's over and, you know, tell your teammates, great job. Say, go shake your coach's hand. Say, thank you. Say, thank you to the opponent. And then when you get in the car, when you're alone, you can have your kind of pity party. And like, just for a second, cause it's like, it's natural to feel that way. I think they, you know, and it does show that I care. Um, you know, it wasn't like, I was like, Oh, cool, whatever. Like I didn't play well, but I'm fine. I really cared. So I think they, they didn't want me to not feel that way, but they didn't want it to take away from what soccer should be, which is fun, you know, and you, you should be having fun with, with your team and, and doing what you love. So I feel like my parents held, uh, did, did a very good job handling that, those aspects of me. And I probably would be the same way. See, that's called a competitive. I, my friends laugh. I, I have no competitive spirit. I, I don't, really? I, I don't, I don't care about winning. I, I really don't. I, I, you know, I, when I play sports, I play golf. I hope I play well. I hope I play well, but at no point yeah. during the match, am I thinking, yeah, I'm playing better than you. Yeah. Yeah, baby. I, I, I just don't. It's, it's just the joy of it. And pretty much made me a really horrible, uh, you know, I was happy to play because I played basketball. I, I, I played, but, but if we won, yay! If we lost, yeah. yay! You know? So that's, I was the kid, I was the kid you would have hated on the soccer team. <laughs> I probably would have. <laughs> Get it together, Gary! What happened? Grace beat me up again. <laughs> that would be mean. Well, I mean, but you think about the the perfect meshing of music and competition and sports is American Idol. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, it definitely is. Those those competition shows, and and I was doing, I did competition singing when I was little as well. Um, and but again, like that's that is it's it's um, yeah, it's competitive. And I remember Hollywood Week during American Idol. That's when I felt the most competitive because there's, you know, hundreds of people there, and that's the first time you're hearing other people besides you. So you're starting to compare yourself and you're starting to say, Oh gosh, that, you know, they chose that song. Wow. That's, that's a really hard song and they crushed it. And Oh gosh, I'm doing this song. Is it going to be good enough? And wow, that person has really good stage presence or, Oh, he can play the guitar. I don't play an instrument. And so you're, you're constantly comparing yourself during Hollywood week because you're meeting all these amazing people and everyone is so talented. But after that, like once I made top 40, um, I was just along for the ride and I was having so much fun. And it's just at, at the end, cause at the end of the day, it's only you up there on stage. So I could only control what I was doing. Mm-hmm. And I think that was the mentality that helped me. That was just like, okay, you know, I have a minute and a half, um, to prove myself and to make the next round. So I, all I can do is just take in this minute and a half, choose a great song, have a great time put on the best performance that I can. And I won't have any regrets, which compares to soccer too. Cause when I was in college, I really struggled um, on the field and I didn't get a lot of playing time at all 
Um, and so sometimes I would play the last five minutes of the game just to give someone a breather. And I would say, okay, five minutes out of 90 minutes, um, I get to prove that I should be a starter. So I'm going to do something in those five minutes to, you know, say to my coach, you know, I should be, I should be playing more minutes. And I kind of felt that same way with idol. It was just like, I had to take the time that I had to make the best of it. Now you said you had been in singing competitions before idol. Yeah. Yeah. I would do like, you know, um, there was this one in, uh, was it in, I think oh, it was the Alameda County Fairgrounds. They did like, yeah, like a talent competition. Um, and it was like a day and you would sing, you would sing like multiple songs and all these different categories and you'd win a prize or whatever. <laughs> yeah. How my mom, I was like 10 years old, like nine, probably nine or 10. How did you not take it personally? I mean, because I, I don't know, maybe you won everything you were in. Maybe maybe that's what happened. You're like, hey, well, if you win everything, you don't take it personally. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I got a lot of no's, um, you know, and I, I did. So, yeah, I mean, being little and doing competition shows, it was competitive, but it was fun. I was still learning how to perform. I was still, you know, coming into my own, really. Um, and I just wanted to have a good time. But I... I, yeah, I mean, I, I got a lot of no's my whole life. I always was questioning if I was good enough, if, um, you know, if I was different enough than the singers out there. And I don't know, cause I, I did the voice actually right out of college. Um, I auditioned for the voice cause I graduated from college and I was like, okay, I'm going to go after music. And then I was like, oh, where do I start? Um, so I, I said, okay, I'll do the voice and, you know, maybe it'll be, be a good experience for me and I'll learn a little bit. And I made it, I made it all the way to the point. I went through all the audition phases up to the point where you do, are you familiar with the voice? Yes. yes the blind yes. audition. I, okay. I know Blake. So Shelton. I got to the point. Yeah, oh, perfect. So I got, to, so I sang for him. I got to the point where I did the blind audition and um, where they, you know, will turn their chair for you or not. And they didn't. And I, you're there for a month. And you're working so hard on this one song for a month. And again, it was probably, yeah, like a minute and 30 seconds, maybe even less than that. And um, I sang a Carrie Underwood song. I sang Little Toy Guns. And I look back now and I'm like, why did I sing that song? Like, it was such a hard song. I still didn't know who I was. I knew I wanted to do country music. I didn't know what type of country music. I didn't know if I wanted to be like a Carrie or like a Miranda Lambert. Um, you know, I didn't, I didn't know yet. So I sang it and it was horrible and they didn't turn their chairs. And I like held in so many tears and they, it never aired. So you haven't seen this cause it, it never aired um, wow. on the show. Yeah. They never aired it, which is such like a funny thing. Cause I remember being, it was so weird, Gary. So I sang it. They said, no, I walked off the stage. My whole family's there. I was an absolute mess. I was crying hysterically. Like it just felt so, I just felt like, oh my gosh, I'm, this is never going to happen for me. Like that. I couldn't even like get them to turn their chair. I'm obviously not good enough. Should I even do this? Like, and my, my parents were upset. Like it was just really, really hard. Um, and so, but it was kind of like the kick in the butt I needed because I, I went back home and I just started making a list like, okay, I want to figure out what type of country music I want to do. I want to start writing my own music. I need to start performing in the Bay Area. Um, and then I really want to move to Nashville. So I just had this list of goals that I wanted um, to, to accomplish. And so it was really helpful there. But getting that no at that point, then the show, I thought they were going to air it because they came to Danville and I was coaching soccer and they filmed this whole thing with me. They, they The crew came and filmed this like hometown thing. And I was like, oh, they're for sure going to air it. And then they didn't. And I remember being so upset that they didn't air the episode. Um, but I look back now and because of everything with American Idol, it's just one of those things that was meant to be. Because I was like, well, what if they would have aired it? That would have, you know, I would have then been seen for the first time in that aspect instead of American Idol, which I was, I feel like American Idol portrayed me so well. And I also was... 27 and I knew knew who I was and I've just gone through all this stuff in Nashville that I just think the timing was just all meant to be. 
I just think life is so weird like that. Well, life is weird like that, but I think the most amazing thing and what you took for granted, which is it, it, it's superhuman. It's superhuman what you did. And and I know, again, that's why I love talking to people, because when it's happening to you, you don't see it. You just go, well, I took that and I decided I'm going to do this. That's not normal, Grace. That's not normal. <laughs> and and I hope all of us, including me, everybody hearing this, that right there is the 100% best way to deal with rejection. I, I mean, you just yeah. gave a master class in it. You really did. And I, and and I don't think and I don't think you even realized that you gave a master class in it. That she took this thing and and you think back, think about it. You're performing, you're a singer, you're up here. There's no way you can't take it personally. There's four people sitting in a chair and it's their your job to impress them enough to so they turn around and mm-hmm. just look at you and you mm-hmm. can't get them to turn around and just look at you i yeah. that that has to be one of the and again because you made it through i'll say it soul crushing moments you could possibly have uh, especially mm-hmm. when it's something when you're trying to start your career and the yeah. fact that you were able to take that disappointment that hurt and go you know what? Let's figure out a way to work harder. Let's figure out a way way mm-hmm. to work smarter. Let's let's mm-hmm. you know. And at some point, if your career takes off and you meet Blake Shelton, and and Blake Blake will be the first to cop to it. And you go, you never turn your chair around for me. And he'll look at you and go, well, because I was an idiot, you know. And then you'll turn around and go, no, because I wasn't good enough. Not then. But I am now. And and it'll yeah. be that transformational yeah. moment for you. Blake has yeah. had his transformational moments, but for you. And and I think and that's why I want to really just accentuate that, that what you did and how you handled it was nothing short of Herculean. That was amazing. Thank you. Well, Thanks. I mean, I just, I, I don't know, I, I, like something... Again, I think a lot of it comes from being an athlete, probably just knowing like you're going to fail, you're going to lose. And, and you know, I don't know if you've heard the term fail, like failure is fertilizer. It really is because you're, you know, it only helps you grow. It only helps you figure out where do I need to improve, um, you know, and just how do you learn from it? How do you grow from it? And I, um, I, I, I don't know. I had no other choice. I wasn't going to stop. I had a moment where I remember being in the van with my parents, crying my eyes out, going back to the hotel after they said no. And I, I had like probably a split second of thinking, I'm not going to do this anymore. Like, I'm not going to sing anymore. And then, gosh, out the next morning, I woke up and was like, okay, here we go. You know, like, wh- what do I need to do? How do I, how do I get better? Where do I go from here? And it's just when you, when you love something so much like that, and I just, I've manifested this career and, and music and singing and performing for me is just my favorite thing in the entire world. And I feel like I've been manifesting it since I was six years old, since it all started, you know, just that. And it, I, I, it's just so weird to think about it. I don't know how, you know, people talk about following your dreams, following your dreams, that everyone has so many different dreams. Um, but it really did start for me at such a young age. And um, I'm just not going to stop doing it, you know? That's why we call this a podcast of unexpected conversations, because that right there, I, somebody, <laughs> somebody is going to take that and run with it. You don't realize it because we never, so. well, we never do at the time. You never realize yeah. it, but I guarantee you at some point, I, I, I'd be willing to bet at some point you're going to hear from somebody who heard this and went, Man, that right there, that right there, I was at the low point. I was ready to give up. I, I was going to, okay, I'm going to change everything. And then you go that way because you're right. You said, I didn't have any other options. I was thinking, oh, hell yes, you did. Yeah, you had plenty of other <laughs> options, but you didn't allow yourself the other options, you know? Yeah. yeah. And that's, well, yeah, that's the I whole thing. So. I hope I can, yeah, I hope I can be that, that inspiration for, for anybody out there. Yeah. That's just is. And it's scary. And that's the, that's the big thing too. You know, it's really scary to, to do things also, you know, whether it's music or even being like a professional athlete or whatever, being, being a radio host, you know, like they're not normal careers that we're getting into. And that's what is so scary because you look at, you know, I mean, if you look at my life before Nashville, it was very normal. It was, oh, I play soccer. I graduated in high school. I went to UC Berkeley and I got my degree and I played college soccer. And then 
And then I even got, and I still got a sales job when I moved to Nashville. It's so easy to do the normal stuff and to just go that path. And it's comfortable and it's easy. But when you have this voice that's just like, you want to be doing this, Grace, like this makes you happier. This feels better. For me, it was music. It's so scary to listen to that voice. And it's so scary to take that jump. But oh my gosh, it is so fulfilling when it works out or even if it doesn't. But like for me, that for example, that even moving to Nashville was a crazy, scary jump for me. I didn't know anybody here. I didn't know how if I was even going to like it. And then auditioning for American Idol, I was shaking in my boots walking into that audition. I did not want to go. I was so scared. I was like, oh, I'm just going to stay in Nashville. Let's turn the car around. I just want to keep playing in the local bars and keep playing my music and, and do what do what feels good. But standing... And then, you know, even the flashbacks to the voice, knowing that that rejection is so possible. And that's why I was so emotional because there I was, you know, how I think six years later, and I'm now they are looking at me. Like you said, I was trying to get them to turn around and look at me. Now they are looking at me and they're seeing all of me and who I am. And I get to sing for them. And it was a, are they going to love it or hate it? I didn't know. Well, and that's the thing when it's you're, so scary. when you're doing a business based on anything in the show business wrong right? Uh, there's not a lot of parameters. It's all subjective. I mean, the fact yeah. that you you have to go through all of these auditions just to get on a show like The Voice are, people don't realize that. I've known people uh, who've, who've tried out for both and an American Idol, mm-hmm. and their thing is, you have to sing for so many people before you ever get the option mm-hmm. to sing for yeah. <laughs> Keith Bryan or, yeah. you know, Keith, Keith Urban or Luke Bryan or Simon Cowell or in the old days, it was yep. like, there were so many things. And if you just hit the wrong producer on the wrong day who had heard somebody mm-hmm. who sounded a little bit like you and maybe they thought was a touch better who actually wasn't mm-hmm. they were having the best moment of their lives but normally don't sing that well you're out i got a no the year before this past season from the producers i didn't even make it to the celebrity audition um in 2018 and that crazy i they they said no and i, I you know it, it was a year before my career took off so and that's a big thing too is i, I I, I wasn't, I just, I had to lead on the fact that I wasn't ready. That wasn't my time. And I just feel like there's certain things that happen in your life that, you know, it's just waiting for you and it's waiting for you to be ready and it's waiting for the right time. And, you know, the year prior when the producer said no, I think I still was figuring myself out, you know, and then, you know, going in the next year later, I just, I was more confident in who I was. I had been performing a lot more in Nashville. I, I knew what songs I wanted to sing. I knew what songs I didn't want to sing. And I, and I think that's just really important when you do anything in, in that sense is just to really, really hone in on who you are. And, you know, but you do need those experiences to, to kind of figure it out. So yeah, to your point, you're absolutely right there. You never know why they're saying no. And you have to understand too, that it's just a television show and it is, you know, you, you are you and there's only one you. And if you're just maybe not right for that season, it doesn't mean that you're not good enough. It's just not your time. People forget that Miranda Lambert came in second on Nashville star. She didn't win. Yeah. And nobody remembers who yeah. won. <laughs> people, I forget that she was even on that show. Yeah. But like it's so, there's so many people, you know, um, I think Maren Morris also got rejected by American Idol. She talks about that. And there's just so many people in, in country music and all of our music um, that either got rejected from the shows or were on them and you just don't even remember them. Like it's, it's pretty crazy. Well, I, I, I can sit back and list so many things. I mean, there is no way you hear Jason Aldean in a, in a, in a, uh, in an American Idol setting. There's no way they'd take him on that show yeah. because he's, yeah, that's he's, very true. he's got such a different voice, but yet he is one of the 800 pound gorillas in country music, you know, yeah. and, and, and it's, yeah. and you can go through that. I don't know if anybody would pick Keith Urban. If you're enjoying this podcast, then maybe you'd like to hear more. Gary Scott Thomas hosts the morning show at 95.3 KRTY in San Jose, and you can tune in at krty.com. At 8.30 each weekday morning, Gary and Julie talk to artists, songwriters, and industry insiders. You'll hear from people like Garth Brooks and Luke Combs, new stars like Ingrid Andrus and Maren Morris, and songwriters like Shane McAnally, Lori McKenna, and Luke Laird. You'll find the best in country music on the South Bay's best country, K-R-T-Y dot com.
I always found it funny yeah. that, you know, he was on American Idol. And, and the fact that I'm like, <laughs> and I told him that one time, I'm like, I don't think you would have made it through the process. And he's like, oh, absolutely mm-hmm. not. He goes, no, no. And he goes, you know, back then when, when they first did it, they didn't let you play guitar. You just sang. You didn't get to play an instrument. Yeah, yeah. So oh my gosh. It's, it, is, it is the weirdest thing. And, and the thing about being mm-hmm. in the right place the right time when you say that, mm-hmm. um, we knew Blake Shelton for a long time before he got on The Voice. And Blake was languishing, right? He had songs mm-hmm. that were... Eh, as Julie likes to say, I have a clip of, his t- of Julie telling him, I've hated every song you've ever released. Oh, my gosh. No way. And he he responded with, well, I love you. Oh, my goodness. That is so funny. But it was before he was Blake Shelton. But we always loved him. And we said this over to, to, to many people. We said, if people could ever get to know him. If they could get mm-hmm. to know him, he would be a huge star. And I remember the record mm-hmm. rep saying, he's going to be on this show called The Voice. He's going to be a judge like American Idol. And mm-hmm. Julie and I looked at each other and go, oh my God, he's going to be so huge. He's so funny. <laughs> and it was the right moment at the right time. Right? Yep. And before then, because his voice is, it's underrated. I've always said that. But it's the mm-hmm. personality that once you had a chance to buy into it, and that's the good side mm-hmm. of these of these shows, like American Idol, is you're not just a voice. They We do get to see you're from Danville. We yeah. do get to see that journey you've been on uh, in just mm-hmm. very small things. We get to see you sing from your mom's backyard. That was weird. <laughs> that was so weird. <laughs> that had well, to yeah, be. That's a really good point. You know, I, I, I didn't even think about that for Blake because I've always been a fan of his, his music. And, um, but you know, I did really get to know him when the voice premiered and I was like, wow, he's so funny. And then you, you just love him more. And then you listen to more of his music because you just love him. It's, it's, it's funny. Yeah. Yeah. Julie, uh, his song, The Baby, Julie's like, she can't, we still don't play it because she'll cringe. You know, every now and then I'll pull songs out and just play them. And uh, she's like, if you ever do that, I'll fire you on the spot. <laughs> and he is, oh, no. Blake is that guy. And I think the best thing I can say about anybody is when they are who you hope that they are. And I can tell mm-hmm. you that, and, and I think you can aspire to it. Blake Shelton is who you think he is and who you hope he is. No, well, that's really cool. You know, I mean, you've had that moment, right? Yeah. Where he's just, as you said, he's just the funniest guy. He's just mm-hmm. crazy. And speaking of crazy, because when you were when you were on American Island, and we're going to get to what you're doing today. We Don't worry, folks. We're going to go because she's been doing studio time, and I really want to deep dive on that. But yeah. you, uh, you went through the weirdest season ever up until that point where, hello, COVID. And, yeah. and now we're going to be, it's hard enough to be judged, but to be judged from afar on a computer Mm -hmm. that that, how did you wrap your head around everything just performing from home yeah like when we oh gosh it was it was hard you know i'm not gonna lie because so much of who i am is the stage and so much of music for me is performing and um you know and, and like performing with a live band that's what i do in nashville that's what I was doing before Idol. So I was so, so, so looking forward to doing the live shows in LA um, at CBS Studios and just, you know, crushing it with the band and just like, and just the whole thing. I mean, the cameras and just the people and the, and the rest of the contestants and just that whole lifestyle. I was so looking forward to it. And so when they flew us out there, it was actually a week before the stay at home order happened. So we were hearing about COVID. We knew it was a thing. They were, when we first got to LA, they were really big about us not touching each other, not hugging each other. Like they put us in these apartments and they like disinfected everything. And we were taking so much vitamin C and like, we don't want to get sick at all because you know, we're singers. So like, we didn't want to get the flu, a cold, anything. Um, so anyway, we were there, we were ready to go. We were doing vocal rehearsals. We were working on our songs. We were there for a week, totally living the what we would have been living the life for like three the next three months. And then they brought us in one day and said, We're sending you home tomorrow. We don't know when we'll be back, hopefully in a few weeks. Um, but we'll kind of go from there. So they sent us home and I can't we all had a feeling we're like, This is the last time we're gonna 
like all be together. Like I could feel it. So we all like said our goodbyes. And then was I went to my mom's because I didn't want to go all the way back to Nashville. Cause if, if the show picked up again, uh, you know, I, I would still be in California and, and I hadn't seen my family in a while. So I, I just decided to go home to my mom. And then we had a week of just kind of not knowing what they were going to do. And then they called us up and said, we're going to do the shows from home. We're sending you a bunch of equipment and it's going to be great. And we were all like, okay, I guess you know, this is what we're doing. You know, they didn't ask us if we wanted to. So we said, okay, I guess this is what we're doing. Um, and for me, you know, a lot of people changed their songs. A lot of people were, you know, complaining, oh, well, if so-and-so has like a mansion of a house and other person has like a shack, you know, is that, what's that going to look like? You know, there was a lot of, of concerns. Um, and drama. You're telling me there was drama. drama. You're telling me. I don't believe you. There was drama in Hollywood with a show, with a TV show. Get out of here with your crazy talk. (laughs) (laughs) Lots of drama. Lots of just, you know, worry. You know, we were just like, this is our shot. This is, you know, I don't know. We're, we're top 20. And, and I, I don't know for me personally, though, I, I just chose to make the best of it. And I just said, okay, um, at least I get to do what I love. At least I get to keep singing. Uh, I'm in, I'm well at that point, actually I wasn't in the top 20 yet because we, the, the voting between Lauren and I hadn't happened yet that uh, Hawaii hadn't aired. So I was in a weird, weird spot too. Lauren and I both were cause we, they were sending us all this equipment before we even knew who was going to actually be in the 20. So it was very odd. It was a lot of waiting and, and, and just a lot of up in the air and going with the flow. And so once it aired and I made top 20, um, then like that next week we were filming the, the top 20 performances from home and, and we just had to document everything. I mean, they sent us like three iPhone cameras and we were like, we were our own camera people. So we were videoing ourselves, like opening up packages, just hanging out at home, like me going on a run or something or cooking dinner. They just wanted to like document everything that we were doing <laughs> at home because they didn't have a camera crew to film us. So it was just so funny. I mean, everything from behind the scenes to what you saw in, uh, you know, during the performance. And then I had my sister-in-law, she was basically my production assistant, helping me set up tripods and decorations. And it was a lot, a lot of work. I'll tell you. I got to imagine. I got to imagine. But hey, it's paid off because if you follow Grace on Instagram, your camera work on Instagram (laughs) is pretty solid. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, they let us keep one of the iPhones, which was pretty cool. Um, I was, we were all really excited about that. Um, we were like, well, you guys had to go through this filming at home. So here, here's an iPhone. Um, that was really nice. But anyway, I feel like all in all, it wasn't, it wasn't what I expected. But this year has not been what anyone has expected. So what are you going to do? And And for me, the this pandemic and and what it's done to people and to families and lives lost and everything. I mean, you know, and my my mom's a, a PA and my brother's a paramedic and they were all on the front lines during it. And I just, I, I don't know. I was grateful that I was just doing a show from home and got to make music. I mean, that that was cool. And I just wanted to give it my all and and do my best and have fun with it. And I was very very fortunate and so excited that I made it all the way to top ten. I mean, that's crazy. I didn't expect that from the very beginning. Well, um, so you're you're supremely talented. I mean, you really are. I mean, and, and at that stage, I mean, all those kids have good voices. I mean, they, they, you you yeah. do. And uh, you know, it's like being on the soccer field in college. There are no bad players, you know. Yep. Uh, and they're they're better players, but there's no bad players. Uh, one mm-hmm. one last question on that, and, and then we're going to get yeah. back to what you're doing today. But I've always wondered this: what are they? Did, are they paying you? Do they do they do they do they they keep you afloat? I mean, when you were in were in Hollywood, how did you guys uh-huh. live? Uh, you know, when we were in the top twenty, yeah, when we were living in LA, um, yeah, they house us. They put us in apartments. They we have all of our meals are paid for. Um, they're not paying us like, you know, because I went on leave from my sales job. Mm-hmm. So I was, I wasn't even getting paid at my sales job, but, um, no, they just take care of you. They just, you know, pay for your meals, um, pay for your housing and like give you like per diem and stuff like that. But you, uh, 
I think if we hadn't gone home, we would have started to get some sort of like an income. If you made it to like, I, I don't know, I forget what the the number was, but they take good care of you. They make sure you're okay. See, I think that's fascinating. Yeah. That's good stuff, right? There. Yeah, they're, they're, yeah. I mean, the the American Idol crew and production they're they're awesome. They're so supportive and wonderful. Ever and everyone took really good care of us. And Luke Bryan. You come on, I can't talk about well, Blake Sheldon if I don't talk about Luke Bryan. He's he's <laughs> fun. He's sweet kid. Yeah, he's great. I mean, it's, it's funny because everyone's always like, what were the judges like? And we never spent any time with them. So I think what, if we would have done the live shows, we would have had time with them because we would have all been in the same building and we probably would have had some more like one-on-one time. But, you know, the first audition, you just go in and you sing your audition, you give them a hug and all, the judges were always super nice to me. And same thing in Hollywood week, you never see them. I mean, you see them, but you don't like talk to them. And then same thing in Hawaii, you perform and then they tell you if you made top 20 or not, you give them a hug and like, that's about it. Um, but then when we got to live shows, I mean, it was all virtual. So yeah, it's everyone always asks me what they're like. And I'm like, they're all, they're nice. Like, but you know, you saw whatever you saw on TV, that's all that I saw. That's all that I got to experience. There was nothing else outside of that. Luke Bryan is very funny. Uh, he used to be, mm-hmm. he used to, as we used to like to say, he could, he used to not be able to find his ass with both hands because he was so distractible. Uh, literally had him in <laughs> studio one time and I had to clap my hands and go, Luke, Luke, look here, look, look, look at me. Uh, but he has kids and you know, when, when his, when his yeah. brother died, he adopted his teenage kids. So he became a parent to a teenager's overnight and it changed him it focused him he is where luke luke is razor sharp now when you talk to him Mm -hmm. he is he is right in your face he is and and he's the nicest funniest guy he's like blake he's very funny but he's just very focused so he's all about you uh and i look forward to when you finally get out about nashville and stuff and you can start hanging out with these people because i know they're gonna love you but (laughs) let's move to the next stage of your life you're now yeah. in Nashville. You're yes. now pursuing the dream. And you get yes. back from from American Idol. And where do you go? Where do you start from there? Because you had already been in Nashville. You were already singing singing mm-hmm. clubs and stuff. You had a band. Mm-hmm. So you were you were a working musician. You weren't just a hopeful musician. Mm-hmm. And so Yeah, I mean sorry, go ahead. No, I was just saying, and now and now what's the next step? Yeah. So when, when I, so when I got eliminated, um, at top 10, I said, okay, this is great. Like American Idol has been awesome. Great exposure, amazing experience. Um, you know, I felt like now I can go back to, I quit my job when I got eliminated, I quit my sales job. Um, and I said, okay, now I'm finally going to do, I'm just doing music. I'm not looking back. I'm done doing the nine to five like normal work life. I'm going to give everything that I can to music. And, um, my, my plan was just to be able to say, okay, well now I have some more exposure. I have a bigger following. So I should be able to get, you know, better paying gigs in Nashville, which again was going to be hard with COVID and everything going on. Um, but that's how musicians here in Nashville, that's how you make a living. You have to play, you have to perform. That's how you get paid. Um, so, I was kind of just having that in my brain and knowing I had my band, I had my musicians back here, like, we'll just start playing. But I got a call a few days after I made top 10 from Idol, um, Idol's label, which is called 19 Entertainment Industrial Media. Um, and I did not expect this at all. Um, but they said, they said, Hey, um, you know, when are you going back to Nashville? I said, oh, I'm going back in like a couple weeks. And they said, well, in the meantime, um, red light management really wants to talk to you. And I was like, what? Are you sure? She was like, yeah, we sent them over your music. Um, and they want to talk to you. <laughs> I was like, Oh my God, you're kidding me. So, I mean, red light management is one of, if not the best management company here in Nashville. And, um, they house a number of amazing artists. And so I got to talk to them over zoom and, and they, they really just liked my music. They thought I had a cool sound and, Again, I was just pinching myself like, okay, wow, this is kind of crazy. This is the first time that really people in the industry are recognizing me. And they, you know, from whatever I did on American Idol and then my music outside of that with my band, they just thought I was kind of going this cool route with wanting to be, 
more of like the 90s style country music and, and bring that a little, back a little bit. Um, so we start, I started having conversations with Red Light. And then when I got back to Nashville, they were sending me songs um, from publishers. So kind of started to like go through songs. And then I started writing. And then um, 19 Entertainment ended up picking me up. Um, so they signed me to my very first record deal, um, publishing deal and management deal, which will be with Red Light. So it, I cried my eyes out when they told me that they wanted to pick me up and sign me as, as an artist. Um, just because I've been an independent artist for so long and it just takes a lot of the, the pressure off, um, to, you know, to have a team, um, a team around you that believes in you and that, and that knows what you're doing and wants to help you get there. I mean, that's incredible. And just the resources that they have, um, you know, they, they, since I've been back in Nashville, I've been finally getting in the room with some amazing writers. Um, and I've been learning a lot more about songwriting. Um, haven't been performing, you know, I think with, with COVID and everything that's still, still kind of far away, but it also, even without COVID, I, I'm trying to get the music right. So I'm trying to really just get my catalog of songs between if, if it's ones that I've written, if it's ones that are being pitched to me. Um, and I've been working with a producer who's amazing and um, he's really helping me hone in on that sound. Um, so it's just been a lot of working through the music. And and also, I know you and I talked a long time back about artist point of view and, and, and it's, that's been something that you know, I really had to figure out. That was one of the first things I figured out when I got back to Nashville is, you know, what's my point of view and what do I want to say and what do I want to stand for and what do I want to make people feel with my music? Um, you know, what I'm, what I'm saying lyrically, but also melodically, like how, how does it make them feel, you know? So it's been really fun. It's been a lot of learning. It's been exciting and scary. And uh, I just can't wait for all the music to just keep happening and, and to be hopefully releasing stuff. You'll continue to evolve. the The idea of who you are today will evolve. Absolutely. That that who totally. you are, the the music that you're putting out today will not be the music you're mm-hmm. putting out in eight years, and and mm-hmm. in twenty years, you may not you may not even recognize the person you are today, and that won't yeah. be a bad thing. That won't be a bad thing at yeah. all. That that is just a continuing ev- evolution of where you're going through. A couple of things mm-hmm. because you know we all hear these terms, and I think a lot of people hear these terms, and and they have no idea what it it even means. Oh yeah. What does okay. a management company do for you? What are the main things they do? Great because question. Think people hear this and they're like, okay, what is manager? A, yeah, manager. What does sure. that even mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally no. Yeah, and I used I was like that. Gosh, probably a couple of years ago, I was like, what is the difference between? Because um, I never learned any of this in school. I, I didn't like study music or anything or the industry. And so I've been learning as psychology, I'm going, wasn't it? Didn't you major in psychology? <laughs> no, I majored in public health. <laughs> public health, psychology, close enough. All right, the same thing. Yeah, You're in the, I'm enough. in the ballpark. Perfect, perfect. <laughs> love it, love it. Basically, nothing to do with music is all you have to know. I, that, I majored I in English in, but... literature and do country radio. Tell me how that works. <laughs> but I love it. management team no, no, go so, ahead. yes yeah, so management so and, and you know when you're putting your team together as an artist um the number one thing that i've been learning and that you know was taught to me is you are the ceo of your business so you are everybody that i have you know in my company aka on my team they need to know, they need to be bought into who I am, what I stand for, my values, everything like that, my music. So it's really important that you are calling the shots and you are saying, okay, I want this person on my team because they just, I just get a good vibe or like I just trust them or they're smart or they're going to bring this to the table. So with management, um, your management, they kind of overlook, they overlook everything and they are very much, um, your person, like, I don't have a day-to-day manager yet. So I'm still looking for my day-to-day, who's going to be that person that just knows me, um, you know, completely knows me and all that I am, knows what I want, um, and just can really kind of facilitate helping me get there. So what Red Light's done for me between setting up rights, um, so they have management has like different uh, pockets um, within the management. So like A&R are the people that are kind of setting up they're, they're the ones who listen to music all day long and they can say, oh, this is a hit or like, no, that's not, that's too, you know, that's too similar to something else that's out there or whatever. So they kind of talk about the music. 
They also help me set up right. Um, they, they can also help set up shows and performances. Um, although you can also have a booking agency that does that too. So really management is like overall you as an artist, like who you are, the music and what you want to do. Right. But you don't, the management doesn't pay for any of that. If that makes sense. So financially they're not, they're not paying me financially. The management doesn't like, you know, pay for this or pay for that. They get the money from the label um, or an investor. And so, and what the management does is they make X percent, usually it's between 15 and 20% of everything that I do. So they make money off of me. They don't give me money, but they create opportunities for me to have a great career. So they'd be the ones saying, Oh, okay, this is a great song. Let's, let's plan a promotion and let's plan to put it out this time, this time, this time or whatever. Here's a certain writer that wants to write with you. And you know, does that make sense? The yes. overall, I feel like the overall artistry is the management and then the money comes from the label, but with, and the record label and the management definitely go hand in hand. Um, and the record label is going to be responsible for, you know, getting the right producers and, and, and fronting the money to help you make the record that you really want to make musically. So that's what the label does. And then, and, but for me in my situation, 19 isn't a fully staffed label. So one of my goals is to get with what Gabby Barrett has done, Lacey K. Booth has done, um, and, and Dylan James did it already from this past season. So the goal with what 19 goal is with all these like idol contestants that they house is to get them a major label deal with, um, with like Warner or Sony or big machine. Um, because those major labels, they have all the people and the resources and the ability to really create that career that you want. Whereas 19, um, they're just kind of like a starter. Mm-hmm. Like they, they have, they have a little bit of money. They can help you kind of just get started and start, you know, being able to pay for the music that you want to make. Um, and they, they've been amazing. They also are super smart. I mean, the, the VP of music over there, she's incredible. And so it's, it's really kind of like a starter. So you got the label that helps the management, the management oversees the artist, and then you have your producer. So, and, and my producer came from red light. They connected me to a few different producers and had me listen and have some meetings. And I picked my producer, his name's Dan Fernandez. Um, you know, your producer should just be, again, another person that just completely gets you. And that just, cause they, I'm not a producer. There's a lot of artists that are producers themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I wish I could do that. I, I don't, I just love to sing. And like, I know the sound I'm looking for. I know how to describe it. And I know what I like, but I don't know how to create it, you know, on with pro tools and with like guitars and like all this stuff. So the producer is that person that is saying, Oh, okay. Well, this song, you know, I'm I'm gonna have this guy play on it because he plays on everything in Nashville, and I'm gonna have this guy do drums because he's amazing. And then we're gonna throw some fiddle on it, and we're gonna throw a banjo on it, and I'm gonna make your voice be here and here and here. So they work with the engineers and all those people that really create the the song <laughs> you and just, make them. You just described yeah. everybody who works on this show. We do everything else. He just talky talky. <laughs> Right. <laughs> that's yeah. all he know how to do. Garrett, go talent. to talkie talkie. Yeah, that's all it. What <laughs> do these buttons do? Right don't touch me. that. Don't touch that button, yeah. Gary. Just don't. Yep. <laughs> that's me. I literally, my first studio, and I know because what, what I've been doing here, the coolest thing so far, I think, has been the studio I got to record in with Soundstage Studios a couple weeks ago. And I got to meet the most amazing session players. And it was just such a cool experience. And that's how I felt. I was like, at one point, my producer was like, great, you can come sit up at the soundboard. And I was like, are you sure? Like, is it okay that like I sit up there? I'm just kind of like, just like soaking everything. And he was like, yeah, just don't touch anything. Exactly. You can sit here in between the speakers so you can hear what's going on. And, um, but I'm learning to, to, I'm learning to speak up. I think that's something I'm really working on because it's so intimidating to be, working with, I mean, the guitar player that played on my session, his name is Rob McNally. He's played on Carrie Underwood. He just played on Riley Green's newest record, Carly Pierce. He's played on everything. And so I'm sitting there like, I cannot believe that he's playing on my songs right now. This is crazy. And I'm afraid to, uh, I'm like, well, he knows what he's doing. Like, I'm not going to 
tell them what to do. But at, at, at the same time, this is, again, you are the CEO. These are my songs. This is my name's going to be on it. Mm-hmm. So if there's something that I love, I should say that. And if there's something that I think should change, I should say that. So I, I, I did towards the end of the session start to get a little bit more, um, just a little bit more, more stronger about, um, and more confident in, in saying, in saying what I wanted, um, because it it is really important, but I guess I can get a little intimidated by these people who have been doing it for 30 years, 30 plus years. And, you know, here I am just starting out and I feel like I don't have the credit to speak up, but I should believe that I do because it's it's my career. So that is something I'm, I'm starting to work on. (laughs) Yeah, once you get up there, I actually, yeah. I actually <laughs> talked to somebody who uh, who was in a recording studio once with Mick Jagger. Mick Jagger, right? Oh and he goes, gosh. and that's like, what, what Mick Jagger. I, that's all Mick Jagger does is no, no, yes, yes, <laughs> no, no. And I'm like, well, you sing in front of a hundred thousand people for forty flipping years and see if you don't get a little demandy. <laughs> Yeah, you know? oh gosh, yeah, we'll see how I am. Yeah, he's like, he doesn't even use phrases know. anymore. No, yes, good, bad. Yep, oh my gosh. I, mean, I mean, the, that's, that's when you know, I guess, you've been doing it for a long time. Well, and the musicians, yeah. isn't it amazing? I mean, there's there's no music. I mean, they're they're creating a lot of that stuff just in their head, especially if they've been doing it I long know. enough. You know? I know, and that's what, yeah, I think you and I chatted about this before too it's just you know where those sounds come from and i said one thing to rob who was playing guitar on on this one song that i wrote um and i all i said was can you give it more of like a dixie chick vibe on the guitar solo and he was like oh yeah and he just did this thing that i was like it just took me back to the 90s and i was like yes like that's exactly what i'm talking about and i i didn't know how to create that i just said a, a, a vibe and he was like yeah and that's what he came up with and it's just it blows my mind the talent that is in this town and just the people behind these records that you just you never hear of and they're the reason why you love that song and it's just so cool because yeah i'm going to be singing it and and you know obviously that's very important to have a great singer but you know, really, it is all these little things, you know, having having the right drum sounds, having the right guitar sounds, having even a little bit of a hand claps in there. You know, if you listen to so many 90s country, there's there's hand claps and everything. <laughs> so weird, like just all these little things. But, People's ability yeah. to create stuff. I mean, out of thin air like yep. that, uh, I, yeah. I, and, and, and even artists, I mean, I talk to, because uh, I, here's what you need to know about me. I name drop and I don't realize I'm name dropping, but it's just, if you <laughs> do what I do for as long as I've done it, it, you start name dropping too. But I always thought it was a great I thing. Guess. I was talking to Lori McKenna, who wrote Humble and Kind. Right. And I said, yeah. you know, it started off as a poem. She goes, yes, but you have to understand what I wrote was nothing like what Tim McGraw did. He took it mm. and found a pentameter. He found a way of presenting it that I didn't write. And mm-hmm. I'm like, isn't mm-hmm. that crazy? And she goes, yeah. yeah, that's that's yeah. that's the that's the genius of artistry that you had two mm-hmm. different artists took things and between the two of them turned it into this. Oh, my God. You know, it sounds. It, yeah, it's great. I mean, even, you know, speeding up the song, slowing down a song like there's been songs that, you know, pop songs that have people have turned into, you know, I don't know, like. Dirges. Songs. And it, it, yeah, whatever. I mean, you throw a beat on a song and it can be a hit. I mean, it really is crazy. You know what? And, and that, that's another thing too that I'm learning um, is you have the people in the industry and you have the songwriters who most of the time, like my producer, he's a first a songwriter and then he's a producer. And so I'll send him some songs. And he'll say, as a songwriter, I don't like that song. But as a listener, I'm sure they would like that song. And so it's funny because you, the opinions that you get on your music is really interesting, too, because you, you, not everyone's going to love everything, first of all. And I'm learning that. I'm, not everyone's going to love, like, for example, you know, when I put out my first single, whatever that may be, you know, not everyone's going to love it. I know that. Um, but it, it's funny that, you know, you have the listeners that like something, for example, humble and kind, you know, 
there was something that Tim did to that song that just clicked with listeners. But, you know, I don't know, as a songwriter, you like certain songs. Does this make sense? This is kind of a weird way to describe it, but it's just that as as a songwriter, I think you you pick apart songs because it's your it's your craft, and you know you know what a good song is and what what's not a good song. But sometimes a listener just likes a song because they like a song. Well, and, and they don't even know why. It's true of any of any any industry. You know, I hear yeah. somebody on the radio, and I try to appreciate what they do. But at some point, I'll go, hey, I'd have done it differently. You see a carpenter; he walks into a house, and he goes, "Oh, you used the wrong nails! Oh my God, what were you thinking?" You know, and even though you're like, "Well, it's my cabinet; it it works, doesn't it?" And that's all I care about. Yeah. I, I think it's or, that, yeah, or like or like movies. You know, people yeah. are like, you know, I like that movie. I don't know why it just makes me feel good, but it might be. But for like a filmmaker, they're like, "That is a horribly done film." Oh, and and you well, and you look at it. I'm trying to say you look at Rotten Tomatoes and stuff like that. I mean, you see that where critics, yeah. what the critics pick and what the what the yes. the uh, the the people yes. pick is usually yeah. drastically different. I mean, when you That's look at exactly what I'm saying, the Oscars. You know, watch the Oscars. Nobody sees those movies. And, 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 and they can be important. They can be anything. I am not. I'm not debating yeah. on how good the movie is, and the critics yes. will love it. But the audience are like, "I'm going to be over here watching Iron Man die." If you don't mind, that's that's what I'm going to do. I'm going I'm, I'm to spend my money yeah, there. But I think that's that's just what's funny about the industry too. Is you see the song like there's certain songs that I love so much um, that are not on the charts at all, and you just, I mean. There's no, there's no way of knowing either. And even my team, excuse me, even like my team has told me that where I'm like struggling to figure out, you know, what's going to be the single, what's going to be a single. And at the end of the day, they're like, Grace, you know, we can have our opinions, but we're not going to know until we do it. And until we see what people are going to grab onto, you know, what, what I, I can't, I can't predict that. It, it really is a gamble. You don't know how well a song is going to do unless you just put it out. And I, we laugh here at the station because I can't pick a hit if it hit me in the face. Uh, I, I just yeah. can't. I don't have that ability. No. I know what I like, yeah. uh, but I, I yep. can't tell you what's going to be a hit. I've had so many songs yep. where I've thought, man, this, I love this song right here so much. Mm-hmm. And then songs yeah. that I, that I'm just like, where, where does this, where does this, and it's a huge hit. And you're like, and I've yeah. just learned not to, I, 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 as you've said, and I think you're getting there and you will be there. It's okay mm-hmm. for people to like what they like. And when it comes to yeah. your career, uh, I had somebody say this to me before. They're like, what do you do with the people who hate you? And I'm like, I let them mm-hmm. be. It's, it's, mm-hmm. that's their opinion. They're completely mm-hmm. entitled to it. And, yes. and I only am going to concentrate on the people who like me and like what I do. The people who hate yeah. me, th- th- that's the vast majority. I get it. The vast yeah. majority don't know who I am and don't care and will never care. So I'm just going to worry about these folks who care. Let's, I care about you and I love you. <laughs> well, I care about you and I love you too. And that's all that matters. And that's yeah, all that yeah. should matter is that you <laughs> yeah. worry about your fans. You don't worry yeah. about anybody else. And my mm-hmm. my only little piece of advice I'll ever give you is the one reason people mm-hmm. have said, you know, I've been doing this for a while. I will tell you this. I never thought this business owed me a living. I never thought Mm. the industry owed me anything. And when it was Mm -hmm. done with me, that I would reach the level of my own incompetence and then it would spit me out. And when that happened, Mm -hmm. I would find a way to pivot. Uh, I've been poor. I grew up very, very poor. I've been there. Mm -hmm. So it's like I, I, I would go from that, but at no point did I expect it. And you have a good sure. head on your shoulders because I know you've met people in this industry who are indignant that they're not bigger or more famous or stuff because sure. don't they know who I am, right? Mm-hmm. Th- th- that way is doom and failure, that right there. Mm-hmm. And, and it's doom and failure, not only at a professional level, but a personal level. And that's what's mm-hmm. going to live with you for the rest of your life. Yeah. So. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, it's just so important to just, I mean, at the end of the day, do what you love. And to your point, surround yourself with people that believe in that and that, you know, really care about you and are going to be a positive voice for you. And, you know, I feel like everything will just kind of be be what it will be. 
So it was meant to be. Okay, well, this is episode one with Grace Lear because we're going to have to do this again because I love good, just <laughs> getting in a chitty chitty chat chat with you. You and I can <laughs> dive deep and all as far as the different songs and so- songs that you yeah. love and thought were going to be a hit. I'll share with you some of mine too of songs that Ooh, and we can that. go by and why why you thought why you love a song what makes it and we'll mm. you know go over some of your songs too. But this is I love that. It's going to do an hour with you and my God, it feels like I've been here for eighteen minutes. It just went by <laughs> that quick. It went by really fast. <laughs> well, Grace, there you can find her. You should you should check out Cooking with Grace on Instagram. You can find her, and people should know how to spell Lear. It's L E E R, Grace yep. Lear. And yeah, just I'm I'm so excited for you because this is fun watching this career take off. I know it's been so fun getting to know you and and just at uh, the start of it all. It's been really exciting. Someday we will hang out in person. Can't wait for that to happen. We will. We're gonna we're gonna sit in your mother's <laughs> backyard in Danville and have a really nice glass of wine. Perfect. That sounds wonderful. <laughs> Thank you. Grace. Cannot wait. Thank you so much, Gary. Thanks for Always joining us this week. Thanks for if listening. If you love this so episode, what please we subscribe, download a few more episodes, and please leave a review. Reviews really help us get this out to more people like you. Also, we'd love to hear what your favorite part was. Be sure to join us on social media to engage in even more unexpected conversations. Until next time. Until next time.